Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The Men's World Cup is over, but now it's time for the women. I'm going to have Women's World Cup episodes all summer long, breaking down all the storylines and all the fun. My name is Peter Roman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive right in. Welcome to another episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is going to be my match day three review on groups A, B, C, D, and E. Groups F and G are actually going tonight. Like, okay, when I say that, like, I mean this morning, but like really early in the morning. It's just the way the time zone thing works in Canada. Most of these games are like one in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. So I'm going to talk about the games that have happened at the time of recording, which is groups A through E. So without further ado, let's get going. So we'll start in Group A, where we had Norway playing the Philippines and Switzerland playing New Zealand. All four of these teams were still alive going into the match day. Norway and the Philippines, I watched the first like 20 minutes of, and then it became pretty clear that I didn't need to watch the rest of it, and I could just focus on the Switzerland-New Zealand game. So Norway won this game going away. They won 6-0 the final score, and it was, uh, and again, I apologize if I butcher any names. It was Roman Haug who scored in the 6th minute, the 17th minute, and then again in the 95th minute, essentially. So she had a hat-trick for the Norwegians, and then it was Caroline Graham Hansen who scored as well for them, and Barker and Wrighton. So, dominating win for the Norwegians. They picked a really good time to score their first goals of the tournament, and they came in a big... A big bunch against the Philippines, who unfortunately just weren't able to match the Norwegians at all in this game. It was a pretty lopsided game, if I'm being 100% honest. There just wasn't a whole lot of stopping the Norwegian attack that was very deadly in this game. For the Philippines, though, regardless of the fact that they're eliminated, this has been a tremendous tournament for them. And the fact that they beat New Zealand, the fact that they were competitive against the Swiss... The Philippines should take no shame in this tournament. They should feel immense pride in their national team. And I'm hoping they can be back for 2020. I guess the next one would be 2027. So here's hoping they're back in 2027 because the Philippines were easily one of the best stories of this entire World Cup. And they may, in my opinion, every person of the Philippines' descent should be very proud of this team because... They they went out there and against, you know, against the odds, against the expectations, they put in some great performances and they should be celebrated for that. And I really hope they are. So congrats to Norway. That win put them through into the round of 16. And so it came down to the other game. We had Switzerland and New Zealand. So this game ended nil nil zero zero. The final score, unfortunately, for New Zealand, the co-hosts, they are going home because the four points is just not good enough to advance in Group A. In this game, it felt like New Zealand... New Zealand were the team that was more likely to score, in my opinion. I don't think the Swiss... The Swiss 
I think knew they needed a tie and kind of played like that. We're just like, you know, we don't really need to win this game. We kind of just need to not lose this game. And that's what it felt like from Switzerland. But for New Zealand, unfortunately, it felt like all their best scoring chances came in the first half. Outside of the first half, like, I just, there wasn't a whole lot of generated, there wasn't a whole lot of offense generated in the second half, in my opinion, especially compared to the first half because it was, it was a little bit unlucky, to be honest, that they didn't score. And, I mean, hand the New Zealand striker, she hit the goalpost on a shot that really should have gone in. They also had a couple more chances as well. Sadly for them, it just didn't go their way. And so New Zealand, sadly, is eliminated from the tournament. Switzerland go through despite, you know, a not-so-great performance against New Zealand, but they're going through as the group winners in Group A, and Norway go through as the runners-up in Group A. So I'll get to their opponents here in a little bit but group a overall very exciting a lot more open than i thought it would be a lot i think it was pretty even though and i think that part i at least slightly you know predicted in my preview episode but the philippines put up a great fight norway was terrible for two games but then found their groove in the final game when it mattered and for new zealand they got their first world cup win which is obviously like massively significant for their country, but sadly wasn't enough to advance from the group stage. So maybe next time for the, maybe next time for the co-hosts, but that's the conclusion of group A. Switzerland are through in first, Norway through in second, and New Zealand and the Philippines, unfortunately for both of them, are going home. So that was group A, on to group B. Now, Group B, okay. I'll start with the Republic of Ireland versus Nigeria because I'm about to go on a big Canada rant here. So, this game ended 0-0. That was the final score. Both teams, you know, and granted, I'll be 100% honest. I didn't actually watch the entirety of this game because I was watching Canada-Australia because, of course, the games in match day three go on at the same time, so it's kind of hard to watch two games at the same time. But... I did watch, you know, the highlights and stuff like that of Nigeria and Republic of Ireland. Both teams, it looked like they could have scored at least a couple times in this game. And I don't know. Again, the Republic of Ireland were already eliminated, and Nigeria knew that they only needed a tie, and so that was kind of the way that went. So congrats to Nigeria, because they're through to the round of 16, which is an incredible accomplishment for this group of players, for this coach. And especially with all the off-field stuff that they've had to deal with. I mean, they deserve nothing but a round of applause. Nigeria threw to the round of 16, and they fully deserve it. They've been one of the best teams in this group. There's no, no doubt about it. Nigeria absolutely deserved their spot in the round of 16. And now to Canada. So, yes, this was tough. I got up at 4 in the morning to watch Canada, Australia. Canada and Australia, and for anyone who listened to my my episode a couple uh, a few days ago about um, match day two, you would have heard my concern. I was terrified of this game. I was terrified because I knew Australia would not be easy in a game like this. 
they needed a win. They had the home crowd behind them and potentially Sam Kerr back. Now, the unfortunate reality for Canada is Australia didn't even need Sam Kerr. They won this game 4-0, the final score. 4-0. 4-0. Rasso got them going early with a goal. Good shot she put away in the corner. The second goal... I mean, Australia also had like one disallowed as well, but that was offside. It was kind of a judgment call by the official. But Russell scored again in the 39th minute after what can only be described as massive goalkeeping error on a corner kick. Sheridan just wasn't commanding. She wasn't strong. She really handled it poorly. And second goal was turned in in the second half when you know you'd think Canada would be desperate. They still weren't able to generate, like, any offense in this game. Fowler scored in the 58th minute for them on some horrible defending. And then in the 94th minute, they ended up with a penalty kick that was dispatched by Catley. So, first, congrats to Australia. Australia are going through as group winners in this group, and that was not exactly something that you were necessarily going to expect, especially after their loss to Nigeria. But in the end, Australia win the group and they go through as group winners. And they fully deserve to win this game. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Canada ended up with three shots on target in this game, but it took until late in the game before they even got those. Like for most of this game, they had zero shots on target, which is just never. It's never going to be enough. I don't know. And then Australia always, they just carried the play. They generated all the scoring chances. Canada didn't didn't generate like anything going forward and despite not having their best player Australia were able to like go through Canada's defense with ease and Canada just couldn't defend this Australian attack despite again and I need to clarify this the Australian attack did not have their best player but it didn't matter because they tore through Canada's defense like it wasn't even there so congrats to Australia they deserve the win they played really well there okay on to Canada so Canada where do I start let's let's start here okay they sucked in this game they sucked in this tournament just in general now there's a lot of things I want to talk about here in this Canada thing because of course I'm Canadian and this is nothing short of a catastrophic failure and this is what I said like a few episodes ago for whichever one of these teams didn't get out of the group, whether it be Canada or Australia, this was a failure. You, There's no excuse for not getting out of the group. Absolutely no excuse. This is an absolute failure, absolute catastrophe for the Canadian national team. They're the Olympic champions. They're the first Olympic champions to not make it out of the group. Think about that. They're the first Olympic champions to not make it out of the group. I guess there had to be a first for everything. I mean, not the first you want to be on the end of, but, you know. Yeah, okay. Let's dive into the game. So, yeah, they sucked in this game. They couldn't defend anything. I think Kadisha Buchanan had a really rough night. She just seemed lost positionally, defensively a little bit for this team. I thought their fullback play was really poor. I thought the midfield play, Quinn, Quinn I thought, actually played pretty decently in the other two games. They were not good in this game at all. Um, I thought Quinn was very poor, and the Australian midfield just uh, ran them off the field, essentially. Julia Grosso, not her best game either. 
Christine Sinclair couldn't really do a whole lot either. Not that, you know, you should be relying on a 40-year-old at this point to, like, you know, resurrect some magic and carry the team on her back. But, you know, outside of that, I don't see any way Canada was actually doing well in this game. I think Chloe LaCasse did okay coming on in the second half, but, like, not... Not in that I thought she played amazing, but I thought like she wasn't awful, which was a step up because most of the Canadians in this game were pretty awful in the attack. I thought Leon was okay too, but again, like, you know, wasn't spectacular, but just like didn't suck. But that's not the bar you want. The bar shouldn't be that you didn't suck in this game. But unfortunately, most of the team did. And Sheridan, I already talked about on her mistake on the second goal, and she just... She had a really rough tournament. Like, I thought Sheridan really struggled with set pieces. She seemed she seemed to not be able to have command and control of the of the box, which as a goalkeeper, that's essential on corner kicks and things like that. She also just I don't know, she just didn't seem like herself. Like, I've seen her play, and she is a much better goalkeeper than what she showed in this tournament. She was really bad though, and there's no way to sugarcoat that. This group of players sucked. They played really well for 45 minutes against Ireland in the second half. But they sucked in the first half, they sucked against Nigeria, and they sucked against Australia. And I hate saying that, but it's... I can't lie. I mean, my eyes tell me what my eyes tell me. Canada sucked in this tournament for all but 45 minutes. And the players have to wear this. Like, I don't care that Janine Becky was hurt. I don't care that Desiree Scott was hurt. The injuries for this team are not excuses. Australia just beat them for nothing without their best player. No Sam Kerr. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Canada cannot be crying and whining about, oh, we didn't have Janine Becky on the team, and, you know, she really would have won these games by herself. Really? Really. Janine Becky would have won these games by herself. Desiree Scott would have won these games by herself. Really? Really? Give me a break. Anyway, the players deserve to wear this. And I feel awful, obviously, because this was, you know, Christine Sinclair's last World Cup game, I would I would have to hope. Um, and it's not that, like, you know, if Sinclair can still play this sport at the age of 44, that would be amazing. But, like, it's kind of... For the sake of the Canadian national team, like, she shouldn't be in a position where she still has to, like, play minutes for this team in 2027. At that point, like, we have to let the new generation at some point take over, right? Sophie Schmidt, this was also probably her last World Cup game as well. It sucks that this was their last World Cup game, but unfortunately, it is what it is. Like, these two have done so much for the program, but not a, not a good way to end it. But, you know, maybe... Maybe they can come back for the Olympics next year because Canada will at least have a chance to defend their gold medal. But at this point, it feels like Canada is more likely to go out in the group stage of an Olympic tournament rather than actually go and defend the and repeat the gold medal feat. So, yeah, the players have to wear this because ultimately it comes down to them, right? The players were just not good enough in this tournament. And in my opinion, Canada's group of players should be good enough to at least get out of the group. I don't know if they're actually good enough to win the whole tournament, but they were certainly not... They shouldn't be as bad as they were, is kind of my main point. But of course, 
The players are not the only party to blame here in Canada's failure at this World Cup, because now I'm going to talk about the Canadian Soccer Association. So yay, here we go, more ranting about how awful the Canadian Soccer Association is. So, the CSA, they failed the women's national team. The women's national team failed themselves as well, but the CSA failed them too. There was a lack of preparation and a lack of funding and a lack of care for this women's national team. The Canadian women's team should have been given proper friendlies, proper like tune-up games for the World Cup, and there just wasn't enough of that if you compare what Canada had compared to other nations. The CSA, as I mentioned in my preview episode, they're broke. They have no money, which is kind of a long story. I would go back and listen to that little rant I had about that. But they cut the women's budget in a World Cup year. They cut the budget in a World Cup year. Yeah, that's great. Let's, you know, let's send our ladies out there and they're going to, you know, perform their best despite the fact that we're not giving them all the funding and support they need. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's cut their funding. Yeah, that's a great idea. So yeah, there's that. There's also the fact that the women tried to strike in the She Believes Cup because, you know, they were upset about a lot of the funding cuts and, you know, they were told that they had to go play no matter what, even though the men did the same thing and they were allowed to strike. But okay, that's a that's a whole other can of worms that I don't want to get into right now. So yeah, Canada's out. And the players, like I said, need to wear this. And the Federation needs to wear this as well. Because the CSA, as I've mentioned, has been incompetent forever. Now, they've recently had a leadership change. Like I'm saying within the last, like, half a year. I'm willing to give them at least a chance here. But I don't have super high hopes because the current president was part of the previous regime that did all these terrible things and treated the women's national team so poorly. So I don't even know. There's also the matter of the lack of a domestic league here in Canada for the women's for the women's side. Because and this is where like we're getting into kind of the nitty-gritty details of the Canada Soccer Business Agreement. But essentially, the Canada Soccer Business Agreement was one of the main reasons why the Canadian Premier League exists. The Canadian Premier League is the men's domestic league that exists in Canada. The problem is that because the Canadian Soccer Business Group gets all the money from the national team sponsorships and advertisements and stuff like that. So, but that money gets poured into a men's domestic league, which, you know, is great. Like, we need that on the men's side as well. But if we're not offering something to the women, then the women are basically not able to get all the money they earn because it has to go to this group because of this agreement that was made by Canada Soccer, which again, if you want more details, just go back and either Google it or go back and listen to one of my episodes. But the women aren't able to capitalize on all the money they should have. And more importantly, even like, you could argue on one side that like, okay, well, if the women aren't able to capitalize on all the money they have, at the very least, there's this to, you know, hold their head or to fall back on, I should say, right? 
On the men's side of things, the men are upset that they're not getting paid as much as they want to be. But on the men's side, it's like, well, yeah, but at least you have the domestic league. At least you have this very important, um, this very important league, this very important stepping stone for Canadian players as they want to pursue, you know, as they want to pursue like big goals. And also, it's a great funnel system to help support the national team. And we've seen this already. Dominic Zator, Victor Latori, players like that have already made the national team and guess where they were they were in the cpl they were in the canadian premier league the women need something like that too now whether or not a women's league is like sustainable long term that's a different conversation but the point is they had a men's league start because of this agreement but they didn't start a women's league and so now diana matheson and christine sinclair are trying to start a women's league and i hope they're successful in starting it but you know, this is, it's all coming too late. And it's all coming from a place of desperation because the women feel like they have to do it themselves or they're not getting any support from the CSA and from the people involved in Canada soccer, just generally, right? The Federation and the people in, in the CSB, in the Canada soccer business. So it's really frustrating. I will always love and support the women's national team. I got up. You better believe I got up very early in the morning when they were in Tokyo to watch the, you know, semifinals, to watch the gold medal game. You better believe I got up for every single game. I woke up, watched every single game live for the Women's World Cup for this Canadian team. I will never stop doing that. But I really hope that things can change because if things don't change, what we saw against Australia, what we saw in this tournament where they go out in the group stage, that's going to continue. That is going to continue as long as the Federation continues to be as awful as it is, and hopefully the new leadership can change that. But it'll also, it'll also continue, right, as long as the women keep having to fight for every single thing they try and earn. And they keep, they always feel like they have to be the ones to step up and do something when it shouldn't always have to be up to the players and it shouldn't always have to be up to the coach and it shouldn't always have to be up to to other people they should be getting support and they should get the proper preparation to go for these things so anyway that's my really long rant about that i'll put it in the time code so that way you know if you're not canadian you don't have to listen to that whole thing i just i need an event you know It'll let some steam off anyway Congrats to Australia and Nigeria. They're through to the round of 16. Let's move on to the next group. Group C. All right. So Group C, uh, it just came down to the Japan versus Spain game because the other game didn't really mean anything. However, congratulations to Zambia on winning their first World Cup match. They won 3-1 over Costa Rica. It was... Um, one goal in the third minute, like very early in the game, and then a penalty kick, and then a late goal for them. And so 3-1 win over Costa Rica. Congrats to Zambia on winning their first game. Japan, though. This is the story of Group C. Japan killed Spain 4-0 the final. It was a dominating victory. Miyazawa had two goals for the Japanese, and then Ueki and Tanaka also scored for them. 
And to be honest, like, Japan had, like, no possession in this game. They, like, didn't have the ball. But whenever they had the ball, the very few times they would get the ball, they were clinical. They were efficient. They were deadly. It felt like every time they touched the ball, it was going in the net. Because Spain could not handle their attack. Spain could not generate chances. This was a all-around masterclass by the Japanese. It really was. And there's no way around it. And their attack. Naomoto, Ueki, Miyazawa were exceptional. Endo, Shimiz um, Shimizu, Hayashi, Nagano all played exceptional in this game. And of course, defensively, they were rock solid as well. This was just an all-around dominant performance. Spain didn't know what hit them. Like, this was, yeah, very, very impressive by Japan. For Spain, they're still through to the round of 16, so they can gather themselves. But if they want to go far in this tournament, they need to play a lot better than they did against Japan. So, congrats to Japan. They're through into the round of 16. So, we have our first round of 16 matches. So, Japan will play the runners-up, which is Norway. And Switzerland will play Spain. I would expect Japan and Spain to both be favorites in this. But I'll talk more about those games in a round of 16 deep dive. So, that's Group C. On to Group D. In Group D, we had England and China squaring off, and then we had Denmark versus Haiti. England ended up kind of finally showing up to this tournament. It felt like England put in two really bad performances but found ways to win in the first two games. That wasn't the case against China. They were really good in this game. And shout out Lauren James. My goodness. Um, she was amazing in this game. The goals she scored were unreal. Like the long range. Lauren James, I think, just from long range, I mean, how many more players are you afraid of than Lauren James? And the answer is not that many. She scored some just absolute beauties in this game. Russo scored in the fourth minute for England. Hemp got a goal as well. And then Kelly and Daly scored for them. China ended up getting a goal from a penalty kick, but, you know, they got killed. It was an absolute dominant in England victory. This is the England team that I think people were expecting to see. And let's hope they can keep that going. Because if England play like that, that's the team that could win the whole thing. Not the team we saw in the first two games. And then we had Denmark and Haiti. So this game was really important, obviously. Haiti, unfortunately, in this World Cup was zero points. Because Denmark won this game 2-0 the final score. Denmark, it wasn't the prettiest game from them but they were able to find a way a harder score from the penalty spot in the 21st minute and then Troliskar Nielsen scored with next to no time left to secure the victory for Denmark to put them through to the round of 16 for Denmark this was the first appearance in the knockout rounds since 1995 so congratulations to Denmark for Haiti unfortunately that's the end of their tournament they came in and they put up a hell of a fight. They really did. Haiti did really good in a lot of these games. They fought to the bitter end. They were in every... This is the thing. Haiti was, was in every single game. They were competitive. They were passionate. And unfortunately for them, you know, they weren't able to score any goals. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Haiti got a little bit robbed by, you know, they should have had a penalty against China, but... They weren't able to score any goals from open play, and sadly, it's really hard to win football games if you don't score goals. 
For Denmark, they are through into the round of 16, and they will be playing Australia. Australia being the group winners in Group B, they'll play Denmark, and then England being group winners in Group D will play Nigeria. So, Nigeria versus England, Australia versus Denmark. Again, I'll have more on those in my round of 16 preview episode. And then we have the final group. And this is the final team that I'm ex- kind of excited to talk about. So, first, I'll start with the Netherlands killed Vietnam. This was the result I was a little bit afraid of. Like, I thought Vietnam might lose every game like this. They only lost one game like this. And it ended up 7 nothing for the Netherlands. They took care of business very quickly. Martin scored in the eighth minute. Um, again, I apologize if I butcher names. Schnoigis? That was probably really bad. Brooks scored in the 18th and 57th minute. Roard scored in the 23rd and 83rd. And Van de Donk in the 45th. It was, the Netherlands were all over them. That This game wasn't that close. But the other game. Portugal and the United States. Portugal were literally inches away from the biggest upset in maybe World Cup history. This game ended 0-0, but Portugal, all they needed was a win to knock out the United States in advance. And in the 90th minute, in the 90th minute, they got a chance, threw in on goal, and she hit the goalpost. I was stunned in silence watching this game because the world champions, the two-time defending World World Cup champions, they were a goalpost away from being eliminated by Portugal. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's, It's a game of inches. This is why there's that saying. And the United States, I mean... If there was a single fan of the women's national team who wasn't sweating or breathing a sigh of relief like the biggest one possible when Portugal hit the goalpost, I mean, you're not a real football fan if you didn't have that in that moment. That was that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. Portugal almost knocked out the United States. I can't believe that almost happened. I was kind of rooting for it. I'm not going to lie. That would have been just such a crazy result, but... In the end, heartbreak for Portugal. Portugal, by the way, they deserve so much credit. They played so well in this game. This was... I didn't think they were capable of playing this well. But, man, that midfield, they just dominated. Silva, Pinto, um, Norton, Nazareth were all exceptional. Jessica Silva, I thought, played really well as well. And, yeah, like all of those players, I thought just... They worked so well together. Their passing was on point. Their movement was on point. And the United States just couldn't do anything about it. Their midfield, Lavelle, Sullivan, and Horan, just not a lot. Like, they really had a hard time containing anything. And then offensively, I mean, their passes were just going nowhere. Like, they were giving the ball away. Megan Rapinoe came on in this game, and, like, you know, Rapinoe's obviously a legend, but, like, man, she could not put a single pass together for this team. And, you know, defensively, it was a little shaky as well. Lisa Nair even had a play. She came out of her box, and, like, the ball, like, went past everybody. And it's just like, man, if just one of those chances could have gone in, Portugal would have won this game. They were the better team in the game. The United States had more shots, but this is one of the rare cases where shots doesn't really help tell the story of this game. Portugal was better. 
they were dominant in this game. They were in control of this game. The United States always felt like, I don't know, they just didn't feel like 100% engaged. It felt like they were waiting for someone to give them a spark, and no one was really doing that for them. But unfortunately for Portugal, just, you know, they hit a goalpost. They were a goalpost away. They really were. The United States goes through, and so the Netherlands are group winners in Group E, and the United States are runners-up. This is the first time the United States have finished with five points. They've never finished with a point total that low. This is also only the second time the United States have gone through as runners-up in the group. The last time was in 2011. They did go on to make the final that year, but of course they lost to Japan that year. So we'll see. This U.S. team looks very vulnerable right now, and the second-place team in the group, which is them, they're going to have to play Sweden, in all, in all likelihood, anyway. Sweden, it would be shocking if Sweden didn't end up in first, but they're probably going to have to play Sweden. And being 100% honest with you today, if I had to pick a winner, I think I'd pick Sweden. And that's not something I thought I'd be saying at the beginning of this tournament. But the U.S., I mean... They're just, there seems to be a lot of red flags with this team. But they still have a lot of quality, and they can still turn this around. But it is not, uh, not a great spot to be in at the moment as a United States fan, if you are one. For Portugal, they came in, and they can certainly leave with their head held high. They played their hearts out in this tournament, and I can't wait to see them next time. For Vietnam... They were competitive in at least two of the games, and that's more than I thought they would be. So, again, another team that can be proud of their performance. Not, not against the Netherlands, but the other two games. So, that's it. That's all I got for this episode. So, uh, at the time of recording, it's just before the start of the Argentina-Sweden-South Africa-Italy games. And then Panama-France, Jamaica-Brazil are a little bit later in the day. And then tomorrow is Morocco, Colombia, and South Korea, and Germany. So the round of 16 kicks off on Friday. It is Friday night in, like, my time. Like, it's Friday night at 11 p.m. is when the round of 16 begins. So I will have my round of 16 preview episode out before it starts. I'll have it out either Thursday or Friday, one of those two days. And I will have one more episode recapping match day three. That will come out at the conclusion of the games on Thursday. So that episode, again, will either be Thursday or Friday. It just depends when I have time to record. But I'm going to wait for the Morocco, Colombia, South Korea, Germany group to finish before I do my next episode. So be on the lookout for that. The round of 16, though, kicks off, like I said, on Friday. We have confirmed matches so far. We have Switzerland versus Spain. We have Japan versus Norway. England versus Nigeria and Australia versus Denmark. I can't, I can't wait to see what the rest are. But what an exciting finish to the groups. And unfortunately for the Olympic champions, that was the end of the line. The only last thing I want to say is about Christine Sinclair. Because sadly, obviously with Canada going home, she's also you know, going home. I want to say thank you as a Canadian national team fan to Christine Sinclair for everything she's done. I know this tournament wasn't her best or anything like that, but the Canadian women's team would not be anywhere near where it is without her. She is 
one of the greatest Canadian athletes, period. And I want to thank her for all the excitement and all the leadership and all the just everything. I, I want to thank her for everything she brought to the Canadian team. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The music is from Pixabay. There will be new episodes throughout the Women's World Cup, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2023 World Cup.